Hello everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Violinist on a Bicycle. I'm your host, Susie McKenzie Suter, and I'm so excited to have a conversation today with opera singer and musicologist Chanel Roll. Chanel is a dear friend of mine. We went to the Munn School of Music together. Um, She comes from Nassau, Bahamas, and has been in St. John's, Newfoundland for the past couple of years. She has her bachelor's degree of music in opera and musicology, where she researched Caribbean classical and folk music. Chanel is currently a grad student in voice at the Munn School of Music, and I'm just so thrilled to have her here today to talk about new directions of classical music and also the academic side of classical music that could be improved. Hey. How are you, Chanel? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's kind of a rainy day here in New Brunswick, but it's nice and cozy inside. (laughs) I just kind of introduced you to the podcast, Chanel, and there's so much we can talk about, but um, I'm wondering if we could start off by you telling us kind of a bit about your research in Caribbean classical music and folk song and kind of what inspired you to dig into these topics? Sure. Well, originally my research was in CARI classical music, which stands for Caribbean classical music. And it focused on Caribbean composers and compositions that were written in a classical style, but also featured a lot of Caribbean folk musical elements. And how those practices were performed and things like that. And another aspect of my research dealt a lot with actually children's songs, Bahamian children's songs specifically, mm-hmm. songs, rhymes, and games, and how it kind of reinforces sexuality or more like sexual socialization, how it teaches right. like gender right. roles and like different stereotypes in Bahamian culture. Yeah, that's like amazing to me because again, last time we were talking, it's like that kind of research topics, like those are rarely talked about in our our academic setting of music schools. Um and I'm I'm wondering, you know, with your experience of studying classical music at a Canadian university, do you think that outside of our standard Western canon, um, we're being taught enough about um, different musical cultures? Um, not as it should. I don't think we talk about it a lot. I must say, um, when I did 21st century music at Mon, Dr. Waterman definitely tried to expose us to a lot of different composers outside of the classical music canon. But aside from that, it's something that we actually don't focus on a lot of. I was actually just going to ask based on, you know, what you mentioned about your research, is your research available anywhere? Can people find it and read about it? No, it's not available. It's not published or peer-reviewed or anything. But hopefully um, with future projects, I can get that done. So I've been talking to my professors about that. So that's something I do want to work on in the future to actually work on getting some stuff published. Yeah, no, that'd be be great to read more about. Because again, that's something that, you know, we really don't, at least in my experience in the academic classical music setting, we really don't talk 
about much outside the Western canon. You know, we learn about German composers and sometimes the odd Russian composer, American. We really don't um, go into Caribbean folk and classical music. Um, kind of related to that, I wanted to ask your opinion, you know, what do you find, do you find there's a difference between, you know, true representation of BIPOC composers rather than checking off a box? Um, like, when do those efforts feel genuine to you? In the classroom, you mean? Yeah, in, you know, in the, in the classroom and also, you know, with these orchestras, these big orchestras programming music, you know, is, is it really genuine that we're just adding an, an overture by a composer of color? Or do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel that, well, first, any representation is kind of good. The mm -hmm. fact that it's being discussed and it's kind of being represented, that's like totally. a doorway. Yeah. But... Like I mentioned before, in 21st century music, that was definitely genuine representation, I feel, where a right. genuine effort was made to kind of expose students to those comp composers that aren't normally studied. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I do feel like when it's like placed in a program, sometimes it has to be either a themes program, but it's never right. a part of like the regular canon. So it's right. just like thrown in there to just be thrown in there. Mm -hmm. But... Not something that's like consistently enough done to say that it's like truly being represented because it's not a part of the norm. Right. Once it becomes a part of the norm, then I think that's something that we can consider to be like a true representation, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like it shouldn't be, you know, music by colored composers shouldn't be a niche kind of genre. And I think last time we were talking, you know, you mentioned... How, how do we get away from this kind of otherness when we create concepts like world music? You know, how can we, how can we do better with that? Yeah, because I feel like world music in general shouldn't be its own genre. Because then yeah. you have like the, re the regular classical canon, you have like the pop stream, you have like so many different streams of music, but anything that doesn't fit into that box, the normal mm -hmm. box of the classical canon is just put into like world music or even like you have like, pop musicians but you may have African musicians or like Asian musicians they do a very unique type of music but that is considered world music like it's a sense of othering yeah sense of othering that's just like created globally therefore it's not appreciated in the same context as other standardized genres and it just I think once we begin to change that narrative of that otherness then it would be more accepted Right. No, it, it's so true. And I mean, for those who are listening and, and don't know what world music is, this is kind of like a genre that was created by, um, I guess, the classical music recording, recording industry, where world music is a title given to any music that isn't basically Western. And, and even pop as well. Yeah. Exactly. A lot of pop musicians who are popular back in their homes, but, and in the UK, in, in, in Europe, it's a bit more appreciated, right. but on the Western side, you don't see a lot of appreciation for those genres and those artists, right. like Angelique Kikijo. Like you don't see musicians like her, like on the main stage all the time. Like you have to like know about her 
and follow right. her specifically to kind of be into the music that she does. Right. Yeah. It's not really, um, it's not really presented to us in that same way. No. Um, related. I want to ask your opinion. Also, this is something that I think about, you know, when we're studying classical music, either in our lessons or conservatory, or whatever, you know, we're often told the music by, you know, Bach, Mozart, Beethoven, these, these pieces teach you the fundamental skills that you need to be good at your instrument. And that's why we always go back to them. But I mean, in my head, I'm like, realistically, couldn't we find those same kind of masterful technique building repertoire with a more, you know, diverse cross section of composers? Like, do you find, you know, it's just the lack of resources and the lack of research? Um, Definitely. I think it has to do a lot with the lack of research of mm -hmm. other musicians. I feel that so much research and breakdown, everything has been put into those musicians like Mozart, Beethoven, Bach, like all of those, but it mm -hmm. hasn't, the same amount of effort has been placed into other musicians that don't fit into that category. Right. Like you mentioned, we, when, we, when we talked before, I mentioned Joseph Ballone, also called the Black Mozart, because a lot of people believe that he inspired Mozart in his writing, mm -hmm. or like he was definitely one of his influences. But for that to be said, no one really studies him. Well, not not on the same level as act of Mozart, right? But Mozart is like a staple in classical music, and his forms, everything, are studied religiously, whereas the same thing cannot be said for Joseph Ballone, as well as a number of other Black composers. So right. it just takes somebody to put in the effort and to research these people and bring them to the forefront in the same capacity. And the whole thing, the whole narrative just needs to change. And I think there are people out there who are trying to change it and are trying to present works of these artists and trying to do that. But is how do we then get that into the education systems? Yeah, because, you know, and, the music that we study. Sorry, what were you saying, Chanel? No, no, no. I was saying that um, I know there are a lot of there are a few schools that are trying to bring in the, the BIPOC project. You mentioned right. BIPOC before. And just to give a definition, the BIPOC is a black, indigenous and people of color movement. Mm -hmm. And a lot of schools are trying to bring in. BIPOC as a part of their curriculum. So where they're trying to feature musicians, composers, artists, or whatever stream you're in of those races, those people of colors. And I think that that is a good step in that direction of doing that. But it's just the more schools need to do it on a wider scale, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I really, what you said about, you know, the research and the, the resources aren't there you know, like we have some really excellent teachers and there's just, there's not always the music available to us. Like, I think I was mentioning to you last time we talked, um, you know, I was looking for music by Florence Price. She's African-American classical composer. And, you know, also really highly celebrated during her time. Like she was, she was killing it in the classical scene. Yeah. Um, but her music isn't available now. Like I'm looking for a piece that I'd like to play on violin, just program for a recital. And I cannot find this piece of music published anywhere. I tried to get it from the one library <laughs> that it's in the, um, where it is in the States and it's 
it's private. They're not, they're not sharing it elsewhere and you can't buy this music. So, and there's not even true recordings. There's, there's live recordings of it on YouTube, but um, to even just play the music of, you know, really celebrated composers, they, they weren't included in the canon, even though they were very successful during their time. So it's not even like, you know, composers of color weren't doing great work. They were. <laughs> we it just, just wasn't documented. Exactly. And it's so hard to get the resources. Yeah. But yeah. I also, um, a fault of, well, I don't want to say a fault, but another, a big thing why that is, is I know, well, speaking from what I know, based on like Caribbean composers, mm-hmm. like I know a lot of composers back home or in that region have an issue like copywriting or getting music published. And I feel like there's trust um, in that region with their music. And two, a lot of people don't, they aren't willing to pay for the music there. But I feel like once the music is more international, then you do have people who are willing to pay, who would appreciate for appreciate it. But it's not copywritten, it's not published, it's not put out there. That's why it's hard to get access to. So on that side, if composers were to actually put their stuff out more, or if somebody was assisting them to do that, then I think that that would also definitely help the exposure of those musicians. Yeah, no, absolutely. And even, you know, it's hard to, like you're saying, it's hard to find these kind of resources. Um, would you want to talk a bit about your future plans with the, um, you know, you're kind of mentioning the online database that you were thinking about? Yeah, well, I mentioned like someone helping these composers in that area. Um, something that I want to do in the future is I want to run an organization that kind of assists musicians in this area, not only with publishing, but also funding. And one of the things I want to do is I want to create a publishing and distribution company that assists composers in copywriting their music, publication, and the distribution of it. Almost like Hal Leonard, but Hal Leonard for Afro-Caribbean composers. So that is something that I want to do in the future. But, you know, it's a long ways away. It's a big issue. So I feel like I know there are grants and stuff out there, but that's a big thing down there. It's funding. Mm -hmm. And then money, like a lot of people, their dollar is not the same. A lot of people don't even know how to go about doing it. So, and it's so hard to trust somebody with your music. It's your prized possession. You don't know what someone's going to do with it. What if somebody takes it and claims it as theirs? Yeah. You know, so it's just like trying to build trust with those composers in order to do that and really like help them on a wider scale. So that is definitely something that I would want to do in the future. That's a really amazing goal. Um, I'm wondering also, what are the differences between, you know, the music resources at home in the Caribbean versus, you know, the, the music resources for study or performance here in Canada? Um, I feel though... Um... Like you mentioned, getting the publication of that specific composer you mentioned, it was difficult to find. But down there, I feel like the composers more or less know each other, the musicians know each other. So therefore, they share more amongst themselves. Right. And you kind of like know who does what. So I feel like getting those the music there is not as difficult. Or sometimes you may have certain databases or like research that has been conducted but it may just be in libraries there and you might not have it 
have access to it on like stuff like JSTOR or stuff like that or IMSLP, right. you don't have it there. So I know when I was, um, when I attended the university back home, the College of the Bahamas, which is now the University of the Bahamas, there was a festival that the Nassau Music Society had hosted. It was called a Festival of Afro-Caribbean Composers. And that was in 2013. And what they did was they featured a bunch of Afro-Caribbean composers from around as well as they had Ensemble du Monde, directed by Marlon Daniel, which is a okay. chamber orchestra founded in New York City. And they really tend to, they frequently play a lot of overlooked pieces and right. um, premiere a lot of pieces. And they still do classical things as well, but they tend to really focus on that niche. And right. what they did was they took a lot of the compositions from those composers and then they featured them in like concerts. And I also right. featured a lot of work of like Joseph Ballone, like I mentioned, um, mm -hmm. the first black Noah composer, as well as Samuel Coleridge Taylor, which is another big composer. He was a English composer and conductor. And he also worked a lot with the civil rights movement. So these are like really pivotal black men in history who did a lot when it came to music composition in the classical realm, as well as civil rights. Right. But you don't really know about that. Like, I wouldn't have known anything about Joseph Boulogne or Samuel Coleridge Taylor unless mm -hmm. I had attended that symposium. Right. Like, I wouldn't have known anything about them. And what they did was they brought in a lot of, like, high school and junior school students so they could see the presentations. And they had a whole, like, film on them. And they did a lot of a variety of works. As well as on the other composers, they the other Afro-Caribbean composers, they had them feature their works in their choirs and their ensembles that presented their stuff. And that was right. like a good experience to see people who grew up just like you in similar circumstances as you, who featured music in a classical style, but that had a lot of features that you were used to in a folk setting but not all of them are even folk some of them are just like standard classical compositions it was just okay. nice to see yeah no absolutely and I mean thinking about that like we really we really need a festival like that of you know Canadian music um there's just so so few um indigenous Canadian composers that I could name um yeah and they're like I'm thinking Jeremy Dutcher right now um and actually a lot of a lot of other indigenous composers like I learned about through going to a symposium at Luminato Festival in Toronto last year um, but it is kind of these big symposiums that you know hopefully there's more of these and we can really push for more of these um, these kind of concerts and and festivals yeah definitely I feel like something that needs to be done hopefully we could get something like that going here at MUN. There's been some discussion of it, but hopefully we'll see how it turns out. Mm -hmm. But that's definitely something I want to do in the future myself, along right. with what I mentioned with the publishing and distribution. That is another plan of mine in the future. So when I get this big organization, you heard it first here on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. No, but even this, like, you're planning ahead and, you know, taking these steps... Um... You know, that's really incredible. Yeah. Um, I want to also ask you on this podcast, you know, we were talking before and you mentioned something really important, which 
you know, is the subtle kind of, you know, racism and ignorance that, you know, you would experience studying classical music in Canada and St. John's. And I'm just wondering if you could speak on that, you know, what kind of things you've you've noticed or experienced without going, you know, without sharing more than you'd like, of course. Um, I would definitely say in Newfoundland, I haven't really experienced a lot of racism per se, but I've definitely experienced a lot of ignorance. Mm -hmm. And I think the ignorance that I've experienced comes from a lack of exposure. I feel like there are a lot of Newfoundlanders who are not used to being around people of different races, different backgrounds, different circumstances. And therefore, sometimes I feel like they don't know what's necessarily politically correct or Mm -hmm. things that should be said, should be done. And it's just a matter of ignorance. I feel like once they're educated, they would definitely do better. But it definitely comes from a lack of not being used to it, not being used to different, you know? Yeah, no, totally. So have you also noticed like that kind of, you know, that kind of ignorance within, you know, classical music school? Um, um, the only thing I can say sometimes I feel like being, like for a long time, I was the only, like I would say black person, not only person of color, but only like black person at the school of music. And sometimes it did feel like I had to represent like the whole black race in certain classes where I would be asked a question if it was pertaining to a topic of anything like ethnic or like black in content then right my opinion was definitely necessary I guess but I mean on one side I appreciate the fact that they wanted to get my side of it because it's not their reality so I do understand right. where they're coming from. They want somebody who they feel can more relate to it because they don't want to overstep and I guess try to represent something that they don't really know anything about. But at the same right. time, like if we're talking about like African-American musical traditions, like, I'm not African-American. I can't really relate to anything socially mm. or culturally really with it, you know? Like, yeah, it's very different from like Afro-Caribbean culture or just like African culture in general. So I guess there yeah. are similarities, but it's just like, that's the only thing I can say sometimes it is like a, a bit of a pressure to just be the poster child for everything black. But right. again, I understand the, in the heart that it comes from, I understand the intent that it's meant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just no, totally. Yeah. You can't be asked to represent every culture you know and and there is kind of this assumption I find as well where it's like I find people they don't realize the distinction between different black cultures um yeah so no that's thank you for sharing that um experience it's I think that's something really important to think about yeah no this is this has been a really incredible conversation Chanel um I'm also wondering is there anywhere we can find you know your performance materials and I I remember I went to your recital I think it was in your fourth year and it was just absolutely incredible and and you featured a lot of different styles of music would you would you mind talking about you know the different styles that you incorporated in your recital 
Um, in my recital, well, I did a few like standard classical works, like some music from the classical canon, I guess. Well, I'm a vocalist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I studied voice and musicology at Munn. And I mainly specialized in opera, but what, throughout my degree, I also did a lot of jazz as well as I sang with the Latin band. And it's something that I still kind of do. And I also sing with a band called Katapa, which specializes in reggae and Afro pop music. Okay. So I do a variety of things. Like I just like different cultures and things like that. But in my recital, I did some Spanish works, um, some contemporary Spanish works. I also did some Negro spirituals. Yeah, but I've sung a lot of other things at music school outside of the classical realm. No, absolutely. I remember um, there was one, I think you did a Stevie Wonder song with choir, and that was just, that was amazing. Thank <laughs> um, you. Yeah, um, I did that a song fundraiser. Um, it was for fundraiser. It was like a 70s fundraiser, and we yeah. did... Uh, somebody to love and yeah. the Stevie Wonder one. I'm trying to remember the name of the Stevie Wonder one actually. <laughs> it's like they don't know where I'll go or Yeah, they don't know where I'll go. Oh, I gotta look up that song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was just beautiful. Yeah. But what are your future plans for, you know, your your vocal performances? Um, what kind of like recitals are you planning and rep? Well, um, I just started my master's in performance and pedagogy. So my first year, so I have two recitals for my master's degree to do. So for my first recital, I kind of want to stick more in the standard classical canon because I felt like in my undergrad, I didn't really have pieces that really fit me. So I definitely want to be prepared that when I'm done my master's degree that I have a strong compilation of repertoire that matches my flock really well, that I have grounded really well. So I'm really mm-hmm. trying to develop that. So I want to focus this year on just building those pieces. Um, and then next year, in my last year, I actually want to do a lecture recital because I'm really okay. interested in research. I'm really interested in, like, you know, like Afro-Caribbean pieces, but not only Afro-Caribbean mm-hmm. pieces. I'm really interested in a lot of, like, Eastern Caribbean pieces, not Caribbean, um, like Eastern classical um, pieces such as mm-hmm. like maybe like Indian classical compositions, right. which is like a totally different set of tonalities and just it's very different. So mm-hmm. I definitely would want to do present a presentation where I talk about the piece, talk about a bit of the history of the piece, the social aspects of the piece, and then present the piece. And I also probably want to have like a lot of percussionists, other musicians, involved in it as well so I think it would be really good to kind of like invoke as much authenticity as possible yeah that'd be really cool to do so that's something that I've always wanted to do and I'm trying to collect as much music as I can find like put together database of music to wait so that I could have a good selection to pick from but that's something I definitely want to do absolutely yeah, you know, and I saw your recital, I just remember being really blown away because I think you just 
you had so many different types of music in your recital and so many different styles. It was so eclectic. And it and it's something that's not common in, you know, in a classical standard recital. So, you know, I think you're doing really amazing work, you know, with both your research and just your, I think, very true, genuine representation um, of different cultural sounds, which is so amazing. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I think that this is a great place to to wrap up. Thank you so much again, Chanel, for coming on the podcast. Um, I can't wait to hear more about your research and your performances. So this is Chanel Roll, everybody. And definitely keep your ear to the ground about what she will be doing. All right. Bye, Chanel. Bye. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Violinist on a Bicycle, the podcast where we talk about what needs to change in Canada and the people that are making that change happen. We talk about topics from classical music to bike lanes. Today's guest was singer and musicologist Chanel Roll, and this podcast was made using Anchor, which streams to all major platforms. So check it out and share it around and stay tuned for the next episode. Bye-bye.